0: Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And we asked, and you, specifically Greg Powell, answered with our first and frankly only mailbag question. Yeah. The Athletic had an article. uh, It was actually its own mailbag. This was. (laughs) Which, you know, look, it's not an original idea for us, but uh, it's Andy Staple's mailbag. And the first question in it had to do with uh, the Big 12 doing a reverse and Mm -hmm. trying to steal Pac-12 teams uh, or the possible creation of a new power conference.
1: Super conference type thing, yeah. Which is an article he wrote uh, back at the beginning of March, and I think he referenced that in there. Um, you know, that I, I remember reading that on the plane as I was going to Omaha to see Georgetown and Creighton um, and thinking, this is interesting. And I think we talked about it a little, um, but it, it remains an interesting thought.
0: So let's talk about this big picture first. The, the comment that he made in this column that I think is 100% true is... About five paragraphs in, Andy Staples writes, quote, The Pac-12 is clearly the weakest league in the Power Five from a financial standpoint. The complaints about how little money the Pac-12 network brings in relative to its counterparts have only grown louder with each passing year. Other issues, Commissioner Larry Scott's massive salary and a now former associate commissioner playing a role in on-field calls, have not helped a league that already lags behind its peers and that hasn't put a team in the playoffs since two thousand sixteen met. That is a very succinct indictment of the entire conference, and I think it's a hundred percent right. I agree.
1: Well, and, and this is you know, I, I don't want to get us off on too much of a tangent, but I, I texted you a few days ago and I've I've noticed it over the past several days. The difference in reaction and and I was I was kind of referring in text to you to the you know, parents, coaches, players reaction, but also the media reaction to the Big Ten canceling fall sports and fall football, particularly, and the Pac-12. I have read a ton of hand-wringing about Ohio State not playing football in Michigan and Penn State, and, oh, this is just horrible. And I have not read almost one word of hand-wringing about no USC and no Oregon and no Washington. And that is that is concerning. As a, I mean, as a Pac-12 fan, the fact that it seems like nobody – really is all that upset that Pac-12 football is not going to be played in the fall, you know, is bothersome. Uh, I disagree.
0: I I disagree with your analysis of that. I I think for all of the Larry Scott bashing that happens and and Mm -hmm. much of it deserved, this is a coup by Larry Scott. He got everyone on lockstep. Yeah. You got That's he got the most agreed. he got he got all of the school presidents. He got the most charismatic coach in Herm Edwards. Yeah. Everybody did a media blitz right away. We all agreed it, this is the right thing. We're not taking questions. And the players uh, one of the things that you know, we talked about the player concern list. Right. The one of their concerns was playing healthy and safely in this time. Well, the Pac-12 says we can't do it. We can't as, do it. No, as and, conditions and, exist.
1: So, and I'm not. I'm not. I guess. I, I, I guess my, my point to you in text was more to that effect. And and you're, you you make a good point about that. My what I'm getting at now is more the lack of seem like on a on a national level. Just you know, and and reading social media can be a very misleading way to judge. You know. there's a lot of media consternation and some of it is because the big 10 has done a very poor job in PR. Absolutely. Kevin Warren has not handled this well for his first big thing, you know, a few months into his role as commissioner, he has not handled it well. Um, but there just seems to be a feeling of sadness that, you know, Oh, how are we going to have a fall without Ohio state football? Whereas I don't feel that there's much national sadness that there's not going to be USC football. And, And, and those programs, at that one time not long ago we're on an equal footing. You probably they're not now, but not that far ago. 10 years, maybe not even that.
0: I, I agree with you and I hear what you're saying. The, there is a, a flip side to this and it's something we've talked about for the Phoenix market and I think that's you know tenfold in, in the LA market. Yeah, there's other stuff to do. There is. And they got. There two, is. They they lose UCLA football and USC football. They got two NFL teams.
1: They got NFL <laughs> teams. They got the Lakers. They got the Clippers. They got the Kings. They got the Ducks, and neither one of them are still in the playoffs. But but you're right. I mean, they, they absolutely have plenty of sports to follow in LA if USC and UCLA football don't play. Um, and, and and you know that's true. I'm I'm not even meaning so much locally as nationally. You know, reading college football writers and. And things like, you know, like, it just seems like, now again, some of that is because of the immense amount of protest that is going on about the Big Ten. And, you know, having some of their ADs and presidents basically say, I'm not sure if there was even a vote. Like, stuff like that is, is terrible, you know, management of this. Um, and, and the Pac-12 has done a better job, which uh, is, boy, would you have guessed that? I mean, if, if you told me two weeks ago, both conferences would cancel their fall seasons, and one would bungle it terribly. I would have guessed the Pac-12 10 times out of 10. But I was, you know, I would have been wrong. Um, But I just, I just, now, you know, you're right. Some of that is cultural. I mean, certainly at Ohio State, you know, football is king. And and it it absolutely, you know, that runs the state of Ohio. Uh, And that's not the case necessarily with USC football or Oregon football in those states. I, I get it. But I think it does get at what, what you just read that Andy Staples said, which is the Pac-12 is the least important of the five. And that's why you're not seeing that hand-wringing.
0: Well, because, think, well, you know, when you look a
1: season at, without the Pac-12, eh, for most people, who cares? Well,
0: and when you look at the the last line of this, the league hasn't put a team in the playoffs since mm-hmm. 2016. Well, that's Ohio it. State was going to be in the playoff, probably. Right, You and know? they were
1: last year, you know. And, and now the Big Ten, you know, the Big Ten's had a couple years that they didn't put a team in. But they've almost every year, had at least one that could have gotten in. You know, Ohio State had a real weekend. good case. Right, right. You know, Penn State had a real good case a couple of, you know, what three years back when they went to the Rose Bowl. Ohio State had a pretty darn good case two years ago when they didn't get in. Uh, you know, so the years they haven't had a team in, they've, they've had really good teams that were just on the outside looking in. And for so the most part, I mean, what's, what's the last Pac-12 team? So the last Pac-12 team to make the playoff was Washington, right? 2016. Yeah. That was the year. Yeah. In the in the years since, has there been one that's even been close? Maybe SC. A couple. What was it? Three years ago. Well, and I think, I think Oregon. Not really two, close.
0: Oregon was two weeks away last year. Last
1: year. Yeah. True. True. I. I, I mean, you're right. There, there were teams. Oregon did have a decent chance. I guess what I'm thinking is like on that selection Sunday, when we have that you know two hour pre show or hour show before we announce the teams. When's the last time a Pac-12 team has been mentioned? Is it Washington when they were going to get in anyway? Yes. I mean, like, there hasn't been one that it's been down to the wire. Could this team get in? You know, and so, so if you take the Pac-12 away from the last, what, four seasons of college football, the end result is absolutely no different. <laughs> and that's why I think, you know, the conference is struggling because, yeah, you take the Big Ten away, and like, wow, geez, you know, we don't we don't have the Ohio State behemoth we don't have penn state we don't have you know michigan and jim harbaugh to kick around uh you know we don't have wisconsin we don't have nebraska to kick around like oh boy this is terrible take the pac-12 away and most people are like oh the pac-12 still plays football i didn't know that
0: yeah i i I know that i see the replays at 6 a.m when (laughs) you wake up right
1: right yeah yeah oh i read the score in the middle of the night when it was you know going to overtime when it was 1 a.m. our time uh you know and that's great i mean the pac-12 you know has got a little again a little social media following because of the whole pac-12 after dark but at the same time is that the best way to build a national fan base i don't think so i mean you know it's a it's a way to build a cult fan base which you know in the grand scheme of things is not what you're looking for if you're a
0: power conference yeah i uh I don't think so to good. get back to the point, you know, I
1: mean what you're saying, what he says, I think is hundred percent true, sadly. I mean I don't I don't feel that way myself personally, but you know, me and you are not representative of every single fan in the country. you know, nobody is, but you know, it's just it's not that relevant.
0: And so that leads to the question at hand, which is should there be, could there be a radical realignment? Yeah. Obviously, the Arizona schools geographically are in a great place because if you want the California schools, mm-hmm. it's hard to jump over us. Yeah. Um, and
1: and you know, let's not. I mean, you and I talk about recruiting sometimes, and I sometimes maybe come across as the wet blanket on recruiting. But you know, let's let's not ignore the fact that the Phoenix market has improved immensely in terms of football recruiting and basketball recruiting over the last decade or so. Or certainly, football. Yeah. Uh, you know, a number of, of good players coming out of this area. And that, you know, that matters. I mean, when, when you know, programs are thinking about, or conferences are thinking, what markets do we want to get into? That's something they're going to weigh.
0: And, and I think it's an easy package for the non-revenue sports yeah. to do Phoenix and Tucson.
1: Yeah, 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 you know. agreed, agreed. I mean, I, I think it makes all the sense in the world, honestly. I know there'd be... There'd be some old-time ASU folks who would just, you know, cringe, and probably the same for U of A at any notion of not being tied to, you know, USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal. Uh, But I, you know, I got to tell you, I mean, if you if you replaced USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal on our annual schedules with Texas, uh, TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, okay, I'm good with that. I mean, that sounds kind of exciting, honestly.
0: Yeah, and and I think that. Depending on how you leave, and this is one of the points Andy Staples made, is is there are relationships that matter here. Depending on true. how you leave, you can preserve those things to you some can. extent. I, you I can, know, you yeah. I don't think you can lock down USC's non conference schedule. They already have right. a guaranteed game and right. Right. Know, things of that nature. But but I think that you can preserve it, you know, basketball. Do a little mm-hmm. showcase tournament in LA with those. True, girls. true. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think I think that there's no way that we would be asked to join without the L.A. schools. The point One point point Andy Staples made, which is interesting, is would UCLA have any interest in leaving being more of a prestigious academic university as well as the two Northern California schools? Right. I I wonder about that. Yeah. I wonder about, recall the issue with Texas schools and Baylor, Mm -hmm. because Baylor, Mm -hmm. when this all was shaking out a decade ago... Yeah. Baylor was going to be the one left holding the bag, and the state of Texas right. basically told Texas, you yes. have to take Baylor with you. You cannot right. leave Baylor. Right, right. And I wonder, I- California is a little different because Stanford is private and USC is private, but I, I could see the state school system saying, hey, UCLA, you don't get to leave Cal. Right, You know, right. You don't get and to put Cal in a conference with Boise. Yeah, the Washington I schools mean, and the Oregon Are, are
1: we? Are, would we potentially be looking at a situation where the traditional twosomes don't stay together? I, I think it's. I think it's feasible. Not only for that example, but let's throw in the Oregon and the Washington schools. There's a There would be a desire from conferences, Big Twelve, whoever, to go to get Oregon and Washington. Oregon because of Nike. Washington because of the city of Seattle. Big, you know, bigger markets. Mm-hmm. Probably very little appetite for Oregon State or Washington State. Just being honest, they're both in small towns. Neither one really offers much in the way of, uh, you know, cachet. Yeah. So there's no history you know,
0: in the 2000s. No, since Chad no. Johnson left Oregon State,
1: right? And you know, Washington State's had some good teams, but again, you know, it, we we always, I mean, you and I as fans, we look at it from you know, can they be competitive? That's not what. You know the conference is generally looking at. I mean, Rutgers is the opposite of the Big Ten, but you know it got them into a new state in the Northeast, and and you know, uh, hey, it gets them an easy win every year. And I think you know most most of the schools probably love it that Rutgers is there. Um, you know,
0: but Pullman, uh, like, Washington's not. Pullman, dude. Washington
1: is no, not. Dude. Now, I, I mean, I realize you can laugh at the fact that you know Rutgers is not New York, and they you know the whole uh, oh we're going to get the New York market. Uh, yeah, yes and no, but it's uh. It's, it's more New York than anything they've ever had. You know, like, yeah, I mean, does... does But then again, you wonder, you know, political powers and things like that. Would the state of Washington, state of Oregon, allow Washington and Oregon to break away from Washington state and Oregon state?
0: And I just don't think so. I, I, don't, you know, know. And, and look, I don't know. And look, for football and basketball, those things are easily resolved. You can, you know, the SEC and the ACC have figured it out. You can right. play those... But would it be different? Would the feelings be different if the the conference was basically the Big Twelve strip mining everything that they want, right. and it leaves a conference that consists of Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State, Boise State, Reno, right. UNLV, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Utah maybe Utah, I don't know. I mean, does Colorado? Utah come along
1: in this? I don't know. Yeah, you know, like. I mean, it's interesting. I don't, I, you know, I guess you'd, you'd wonder, like, how how big does the Big 12 want to go? Well, they, You know, 16, well, you know, if, if they looked at that, okay, maybe you take, you know, ASU, U of A, USC, maybe UCLA, although your point is correct, that, that may not be as simple as, as it sounds. Um, you know, Oregon, Washington, and Stanford. Let's say, you, you know, let's say you did that. ASU, U of A, USC, Stanford. Oregon and Washington. From a competitive and, you know, big-time program standpoint, that's perfect. But it leaves some, you know, traditional pairings that go back 100-plus years out in the cold.
0: I, the thing that I think is important to keep in mind here, with one, the Big 12 didn't exist in this form, right. the, even the pre-breakup and, and shifting form for that long. The no. Pac-12 PAC and even the Pac-10 with the Arizona schools isn't that old. But the Pac-8 goes back goes forever. Goes back
1: a long ways. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know if there's an appetite. I mean, it, it's one of those things that, you know, kind of leads you down the slippery slope here with college sports. You know, I mean, I I think there's a relatively decent chance that in the next decade, and that's a conservative estimate, it might be sooner, that there will be a group, big group, of schools that say— we're going to break away from the NCAA and do things our way. And, and you know, that, that way is probably going to be at least, at least allowing athletes to make money, maybe straight out paying them. Um, and, and who's going to say no, they're, they're, you know, cause not every school is going to want to go on board with that. Um, and, and so, you know, this kind of leads me into that conversation in a way is like, you know, how many are invited to that dance and who says no to that dance. And, I, you know, I, I think, I think that could very well happen.
0: When you wonder who gets the control over that that actually to me creates the situation of the private public school split. Yeah. USC and yeah. Stanford might say, sure, yeah, why not, but I could see the the UC system just saying right. absolutely not. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: There will be, you know, if that happens and, and I don't know if it will, but I you know, I just think they're I think it, I think it very well could. There will be some, you know, traditional major schools that don't go. You know, yeah, I mean, for political reasons or academic reasons or whatever, that they'll bow out and say, eh, no, not something we're interested in. Maybe Stanford. You know, Stanford's a great athletic department, but they also carry themselves as a very, you know, prestigious academic institution. Maybe they say, nah, We'll, we'll stay here, we're not, you know, we're not going to get into the rat race. And, you know, and, and, okay, you know, I mean, each school would probably have to make their own decision on what they value versus what they don't.
0: Well, and how, how valuable do you think a degree from your institution is? Right, because, right, yeah. Because, like, let's, let's just call it what it is, a degree from Stanford is worth more, that's why they charge higher tuition, sure, than a degree sure. from Oregon State.
1: Oh sure, sure, yeah. I mean, no, no, no doubt. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, and then you, then you get into, you know, the, the notion of they're still okay. They might be private, but they're still educational institutions. They're governed by Title Nine. Um, you know, do you? I mean, it's a radical idea, but you know, you basically just make the athletes employees instead mm-hmm. of students, and then you're not governed by Title Nine anymore. You can pay them what you want, you know. I mean, Title Nine doesn't govern who gets who gets hired in the marketing department. Um, you know, I mean, I'm I, again. I realize I'm you know going off the deep end here in a way, but like, if we really want to reimagine college sports, to me that that's a way to do
0: it. Yeah, it, it, it's also the see. I have, and I'm not sure if this is more radical or less radical than your suggestion. Mm-hmm. I have long mm-hmm. thought that that the days of NCAA football are running short that that football is just going to step out on its own because it's already where the violations are happening of these NCAA rules. It's already the thing that causes the headache and it generates money and it doesn't need to participate in these oversight games. If we just decide we're going to get rid of oversight no, and it's going to be the NFL's version of the G League. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, like
1: that, that's the thing I think is like, you know, work with the NFL, set up a, you know, kind of a, maybe not make it a direct minor league where, you know, okay, Alabama's players feed into, you know, the Falcons. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, but work with the NFL that, you know, okay, look, you know, these guys come here, they can be here for a maximum of four years. Um, you know, they, they sign, you know, contract type of things and and you can sign for one year, two year, three year, four year. Um, you know, that type of thing. And, well, and then you're eligible for the draft after three years or whatever. I mean, you know, just get on the same page with them. Why not?
0: When you can also then flip it the other way and say, look, you're draft eligible whenever you get drafted, but you yeah. just have to stay in school, but you, can yeah. sign, you know, you sign your contract and your contract becomes baseball like, yeah, you, you yeah, know, yeah. You, there's a I mean, certain that- amount of control. But there's a certain amount of protection, and, and like, I think you need to pay them more than minor league players, because I think minor league baseball sure. players need to be paid more than they get. But, I agree, yeah. yeah. But,
1: but I agree, I mean, I think, I think you're right, I mean, they're, they're, they're big business, and, and I, I mean, I'm with you, 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 you know, you're right, I, I know you've said that in the past, that, you know, the idea of just kind of breaking football away from the traditional model of college sports. And I and I think that has some merit,
0: certainly. Well, it also flips um, the Title IX concerns for schools on the side. It does. Side because, oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, because you don't have to make up the eighty-five scholarships.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, it. You know, I. I don't know. You know, but then, I guess then, you know, you say, okay, financially, does it still feed back to support those other sports, or if it doesn't then those, some of those other sports will go away.
0: Well, they, well that's anyway. the thing though, is I think you know, they do go away, but now you, I mean, unfortunately yeah. it, it's going to be first 85 scholarships of women's athletics. Right. Um, right.
1: Because none of those sports are revenue drivers. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I mean, I think it, uh, when we talked about this, you know, several times over the last few months and I mean, it, it it sucks for the people involved if those sports go away. You know, I work and I worked at ASU, and I don't know if that was when you were still here. Or it might have been the year or two after when you, when you know, after we graduated, when they made the decisions to cut wrestling and men's tennis and, and men's swimming. I think it was. Now they ended up bringing all of them back. Um, you know, but it it creates a lot of you know ill will and bad feelings when you you know take away people's you know opportunity to play a sport. And, uh, you know, it sucks, but you know. I'm kind of going, you know, Ron Swanson here from Parks and Rec. Like that's that's the way of the world, you know. If you fail, you go away, and someone else gets that opportunity, and and that may be the case for some of these sports. Mm-hmm. Oh. And anytime I can quote Ron Swanson or paraphrase Ron Swanson, I'm going to do it.
0: It's it's. I agree. That's good. It this whole <laughs> what's right. Fr- <laughs> What's frustrating to me, what what caused the big sigh just now, is we we try to keep the NCAA on this you know pedestal, handing down directives, but but then when we need leadership and guidance on a national level with the pandemic. One way or the other, no, no matter how you come down on the issue, sure, and, and sure. I have my views about whether or not there should be sports and how they should be, but the NCAA is a national governing body, and their position is, eh, go ahead and make up your own mind." Yeah. Like, what, what and, are you, why are we here? And and, and clearly, the schools right. don't care anyway, because Arizona and Kansas keep playing basketball with full right. full <laughs> of <complimentary laughs> right. scholarships.
1: Right, right, yeah, yeah, that's true too, I mean... I, you know, I, I think I, I think I told you this. I'm I'm in the process, slow process, um, but I'm I'm reading the Ed O'Bannon book, and you know one of the one of the sections he he talks about is, is kind of going back and you know how the NCAA was formed and and you know and I mean he makes a very good point that like you know the NCAA was basically the schools agreeing to come together under the umbrella of the NCAA, so you know they're 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 agreeing to be governed by them, but they can always say thanks but no. And and that's kind of what we're seeing here especially with football. It's always been that, you know, the dirty little secret that the NCA has zero control over college football because they don't they don't have any control over the championship unlike every other college sport. Um and and so they don't, you know, they have no control over whether college football at the at the FBS level, I guess is what it's called now, because they have they they don't you know, like they're they're just a figurehead. They have no absolute power over anything. So that you know, I mean I agree with you that it would be nice if they did have a coherent plan. But even if they did, the SEC schools could say, nah, yeah, you know, we're gonna go ahead and do what we're gonna do because we're governed by the SEC, not you.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's the thing, is like it's it's just it's tricky. I, I don't I mean I, I'm with you on the notion that it would be nice if there was, you know, one leadership group or a leadership person. But there just isn't or has been in college football. We're just we're just really experiencing it now.
0: But but I guess that's my point, is if we're if we're just going to pretend anyway. Yeah. Then then what is the what's the difference? You know? No, I
1: agree. I mean, I, I agree. And, and, know, that's, and that's
0: why I think you can, op- that's why I think you can opt out of football because if we're all just yes. pretending anyway, then fine. It's already,
1: it's already different. No, I agree. I mean, and I was just about to say that lends credence to your, your idea of, you know, why not just have football be, a, you know, a business versus, a, you know, pretending it's a, it's, you know, a student athlete venture. And then, I mean, I would take it one step further and say, we do the same thing with basketball. Um, you know, but again, I guess then what becomes of the other sports, I don't know. Um, you know, but I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a weird one because, you know, we, the the ideas we're throwing around uh, are things that to, you know, a lot of people who follow college sports would sound like what you can't do that. You can't, you know, because we're just so ingrained. It's just ingrained in our culture that this is how college sports has to be. And, and, and I think if we just, if we just threw away some of those, some or all of those preconceived notions and started from scratch. We'd come up with a much better, more logical system, but it would take a lot of people letting go of the past and letting go of the things they hold so dear. I don't. I don't know if the, that's going to happen in reality.
0: It just doesn't feel like something that actually would happen. No. It, no. I mean, I, it would take a radical thing, but I think this year. Would is something that's shaking that loose
1: and and that's it yeah i mean we've had these conversations before and what you know we always kind of end them with saying yeah you know as long as as long as everybody's making money you're not going to see things change well you know that's that's the thing you're right this year we've already seen the cancellation of the basketball tournament which costs you know the ncaa and schools a ton of money um we're seeing some football seasons get canceled or changed, or every football season's at least been changed. Um, limited fan attendance or no fan attendance if they are playing. So the money isn't going to be coming in in droves. And so that, that, you know, that may be the impetus that we need to have a total reimagining. Maybe so.
0: So, Greg, does that answer your mailbag question? <laughs> I hope so.
1: I don't know that we concluded anything, but there's, there's, uh, there's just so many variables that, that you know, I mean... Uh, I guess again, you know, on a, on a small scale, the idea of, you know, going to the Big 12 uh, for ASU as an ASU fan, I am intrigued by it 100%. Um, but you know, there's so many other variables that come as a result of these discussions.
0: Yeah. It's going to be It's going to be interesting to see how things shake out when the TV contracts end, especially in light of the fact yeah. that we've lost games. And and we've lost revenue.
1: Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that is what it always comes down to in every line of business, but certainly college sports. They are big business. And and the fact that, you know, that the money well is drying up a little because of what's happened temporarily, but still drying up a little, might make people think, "Eh, maybe we can think about a different way
0: to do this. Uh, speaking of a different way to do things, Major League Baseball is playing games with no fans in attendance, but right. we're still enforcing a lack of fun. Uh, <laughs> and I, I I, think that the most clever thing, so obviously we're talking about Fernando Tatis Jr., yeah. the Padres, and the Rangers. This is a very Greg Powell episode. This is for Greg Powell. Whole
1: I guess, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're right.
0: Um, so the Padres were beating the Rangers, and it was late in the game. And young baseball superstar Fernando Tatis Jr. was up at the plate with the bases loaded. And he worked the count to 3-0 and and then cracked a grand slam. 10-3 to score, right? Yeah. Uh, so the Padres were winning. They were then winning by more. And the Rangers handled this by throwing at Manny Machado, which, in a vacuum, I'm fine with. But in in this context, I don't think their basis was good. No. Um, I, I will never forgive Manny Machado for stepping on Jesus Aguilar during the NLCS uh, between the Brewers and oh, the, Dodgers. the Dodgers. Right.
1: Remember? Yes. Yes. So. Yeah. He became that was that was the. Uh, the winter that Manny Machado became public enemy number one.
0: Well, it's when he also announced that he doesn't run out ground balls. Right.
1: Exa- oh, I know. I mean, it wasn't yeah. just that. Yeah. It was like a series of things that just made him the most hated man in sports. But then he went to the Padres and people forgot he existed.
0: <laughs>
1: Basically. Uh, on, on a large scale. I think that's the case.
0: That's true. Not knocking
1: the Padres. They're a good team this year, you know,
0: but, but it's just a fact. Yeah. People don't know that they exist. They don't pay that much attention to them now. Uh, so, Anyway, the response was to throw it. Machado. The managers of both teams uh, said that what Tatis did was improper, that he swung through a take sign, uh, that he has besmirched his father, who hit two grand slams in a single (laughs) inning, and that he should immediately quit the game of baseball and become a veterinarian. Unfortunately, though... uh, Tatis apologized, and that is the tragedy of all of this: is he apologized yeah. for the swing, and he shouldn't because he homered. You I agree. Ap- you should apologize if you swung through the fastball on three and out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, if you, uh, I don't know. So I'm I'm looking at it right now. So it's the eighth inning. They're up ten to three, top of the eight, which means the Rangers had six more outs to play with.
0: And the and the Rangers had not forfeited the game at this point. They were right, still trying right. to win.
1: Yeah, ten to three. I mean, okay. I'm sure you do. You know, you do the odds, or you know, whatever the old like FPI that they do for football games. And I'm sure that the odds are really good that you're going to win when it's ten to three in the eighth inning. However, it's not a certainty um, because teams lose leads like that. They well, do
0: happen, and the, and the odds are better
1: correctly for losing those leads.
0: The odds are better if you're up fourteen to three.
1: They are absolutely, yeah, yeah. And the bottom line is to me. This is this is major league baseball. This is professional sports. This is not high school. This is not a little league where, you know, maybe teams are overmatched and you should call off the dogs a little bit. Or a college game between, you know, USC and and you know, UC Davis, where it's like, okay, one team is just completely outmatched and, you know, you do what you do and then you move on and you kind you know, again. This is this is professional sports. If if you're not good enough to compete and, and and you know, I'm not ripping the Rangers. I mean Rangers are you know, they're about a five hundred team, I think, this year so far. But on that night they weren't good enough to compete. That's their fault. That's that's not the Padres fault. There's no mercy rule in pro sports.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's disappointing because as I texted you, I thought when Brian McCann and Tony Larusa left baseball we might no, be no. gone from this.
1: But there's too many people that still have that mentality uh, you know i mean and yeah i just don't i don't understand it i mean you know i guess it's it's one of those things that i um i mean and the way you said it is right you know like you know policing fun basically and and this this tatis guy you know i just said you know people play for the padres and we we don't even know they exist well this guy's getting some attention he's you know espn big story about him and And he's, you know, he's got a kind of a colorful look and, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's what baseball needs is stars. You know, we we had a long discussion about this a couple months ago, that baseball lacks big time national sports, you know, level stars in the way the other sports have. And I don't know if this guy's the answer to that. He may or may not be. But, you know, Hmm. discouraging him from playing the game, essentially, I don't believe is the answer to building a star.
0: Yeah. So it, what you, what you shouldn't do is take a potential young star and vilify him for right. homering, right? <laughs> right, like, like the right. one thing everyone likes about baseball. Exactly. <laughs> I mean that that is that is my thought
1: to a T. It's like you know like that that's he's playing the game. Um, now, I suppose if his manager wants to be upset that hey, you know we we told you to do something and you didn't do it. I don't know that he needs to say that publicly, but you know, behind closed doors, okay, that's his prerogative. But from the standpoint of the Rangers, I feel zero sympathy. Like, and I think it, it might have been, might have been Jeff Passan or somebody I saw put something out on Twitter, and I, I think it was Passan. Basically, kind of you know what we are saying. Like, if you don't want somebody to hit a home run on a three-zero count when they're already up by seven, here's the order of things not to do. Don't fall behind by seven. Don't, start, don't get to a 3 count. Don't
0: load don't the bases. Don't throw a
1: meatball on 3-0. <laughs> yeah. Then don't load the bases. Exactly. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like, you put yourself in that situation. It is, I don't believe, you know, I don't believe it's up to Fernando Tatis to say, yeah, okay, you're going to give me an easy pitch to hit on 3-0, but I'm just going to stand here and do nothing with it. Nor anybody. Like, that's baseball. That's That's why these guys get paid. They yeah. get paid to play baseball. They don't get paid to stand there with the bat on their shoulder. Plus, what do we always talk about? How you know lately that the game is so there's so, there's no movement. You know there's no there's you know there's no balls in play. There's a, all this time, average time between a ball put in play. Well, you know, watching a guy stand there with a the bat on his shoulder is not entertaining. Now, it can be smart, but it's definitely not entertaining.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I I just think you know some of this stuff baseball lets teams police themselves. And, yeah. And I think baseball officially came down uh, in favor of the written rules over the unwritten rules when right. they suspended the pitcher for throwing at Machado and the manager right. because that's just standard practice. Right, exactly. When you suspend yeah. the pitcher. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, uh, more affirmative statements of support. Uh, you know, Trevor Bauer had one. Yeah. I saw Trevor Bauer, who's just lighting up the Josh Rosen award oh for just speaking his mind and not caring oh, about yeah. the repercussions. I know, I know. And he's it's putting so together, silly. like, Cy Young numbers while he's doing oh, it this Oh, my gosh, year. yeah. He's got, a, what, a .68 ERA now this year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He's, he's, uh, he, is, he is definitely... Uh, Comfortable in his own skin, and now his his pitching is backing it up the last couple years, and especially this year so far, um, that allows him to be even more comfortable. I think.
0: Well, I saw he uh, he had the Joe Kelly cleats, and then he tweeted yeah. at Carlos Correa if he wanted the cleats to just let him know, and he would ship <laughs> them, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And then last night I saw he, he you know throws a shutout against
1: the Royals, then takes his jersey off, and he's wearing a Royals t shirt. Says send it. Uh, I mean, he's, he is, he is bizarre. He is no doubt bizarre, but I, I just can't help but like him. Uh, I mean, he's, he's definitely one of those guys that if he's on a team you don't like, you'd probably hate him. Um, and if he's on your team, you'd love him. The Reds to me are kind of just in the middle ground. I don't dislike the Reds. I'm not a Reds fan. If he pitched for the Cubs, oh, he'd be my favorite player in all of baseball. Uh, because man, I, I just, I love his approach.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's really something. You know, that that he has become the bad boy of baseball for basically Ow. attacking Houston for cheating, right the commissioner for not doing anything about it, uh and saying you well, you know yeah. swing.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, and he was I mean I, I, I think we talked about this before. I, I know I've you know thought it. He was early on the Houston stuff. He was, I mean, before before it became well-established, he was, he was calling them out. And people thought he was just a paranoid, you know, oh, you're just not as good as them and sour grapes. And that's how it sounded. But it turned out he kind of knew what he was talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where, look, I am very quick in the world to call someone a crank or a conspiracy theorist yeah. But when they're right, then you just have to keep looking at them like, well, what else does he say? What else does he think is right? True, you know? true,
1: yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was right. Now, I, I believe some of that was maybe brought on by a, a dislike of Garrett Cole when they were college teammates, but it's not the typical, you know, oh, college teammates, they're great friends. Not that way at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently the two of them have, you know, no real good relationship at all and so i think him going there maybe brought on some of that so there probably was some sour grapes that came into that but he also turned out to be correct
0: yeah i mean that's i i think that's true like he he probably it probably didn't come from a good happy place Oh, I probably didn't. Yeah. Yeah. But you
1: know, Hey, I guess who cares? Um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was right. Um, and you know, yeah, he is, he is, uh, he's not afraid to stir up, you know, a hornet's nest basically when it comes to a commissioner, when it comes to, you know, baseball's unwritten rules, when it comes to discipline, uh, just about anything. Scott Boris, you know, mm-hmm. he, he loves to, he loves to jab Boris and Boris apparently not a big fan of him and uh, he's he's just a different cat. Just does things his own way, always has. I mean, I, I remember in college the pitch for UCLA and his bizarre warm ups, which he's continued to do, you know, where he would he would do these warm ups in the outfield where he'd throw from foul line to foul line, stuff that you would never tell a young pitcher to do, but it works for him.
0: Yeah. it it, it is amusing to me when you have a guy like this yeah because it can go one of two ways and, it, and and frankly as long as he keeps the conversation on baseball sure he'll be fine if he sure. goes full on kurt Schilling, you know he's gonna lose people yeah and
1: and he will probably inevitably do that in some ways i mean but i, I think he's one of those people i have no idea what his political leanings are he hasn't ventured into that realm but I think he's one of those people who just doesn't seem to care. He does not seem to care what other people think of him.
0: Well, he, yeah. He's doing this for him. And he's, yes. He has, yeah. quite literally, F you money. So, yes. 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 And,
1: I mean, he's a free agent after this year, isn't he? Yeah. So he's... That's, why, know, he got, that's like why he got... I believe
0: that's why he got shipped out, wasn't it? Or why that's he was what on I thought, yeah. Because
1: he was coming up for big money and the Indians weren't going to pay him big money. Um, and because apparently they don't pay anybody big money, um, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, he'll. Uh, we don't know what the free agent market's going to yield, but you know, he he keeps pitching like this; he'll be in line for a for a nice pay raise, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, and at that point, he's really not going to care what people.
1: Do. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, he strikes me too, and I don't know this, I mean, but he strikes me as one of those guys who probably like barely spends any money, and so he's going to end up with a giant nest egg. Because he's so weird, you know. Like, <laughs> you, you, know, you could see him, you know, being one of those guys who like only spends, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month, and he makes millions. And you know, like, he doesn't, he doesn't need to play baseball for the money. He just plays it because he likes it.
0: Yeah. And when he stops liking it, he'll stop playing. Yeah. I, I mean, I yeah. think there's yeah. a chance if he stays moderately effective, that he'll be like Zach Greinke. He'll just pitch until he's like forty. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Because he just yeah, likes you might it. Be right. I mean yep. speaking of guys I think, like speaking of guys like Zach Granke, how about Zach Granke? Yeah. you know, he just keeps churning along. I think he's thirty eight now. Is he now? Wow. Jeez. I mean I guess he
1: kinda has. he's been around for a long time. I
0: mean he pitched so for the Brewers like a decade ago. He's thirty six. Yeah. Yeah. He's thirty six years old.
1: Well travelled too. Yeah. I mean, what, six teams now?
0: Am I right? I I believe so. Royals, Angels,
1: Dodgers, Royals, Royals Brewers, Brewers, Diamondbacks, yeah. Astros. So at least 6.
0: Yeah. It was Might Royals, be missing somebody. It's Royals, Brewers, Angels, Dodgers, D-backs, Astros.
1: Okay, so say, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, an, an interesting career. A guy who will make for a somewhat interesting Hall of Fame debate when the time comes.
0: He's in. Uh, he's You in. think so? I'm looking at the numbers. Right? Yeah. You know. He's got two hundred and six wins already. Yeah. Um, you know, I believe Cy Young.
1: Did he win a Young? I think he did. Yeah. I with
0: think Royals, he did with right? the Royals. Yeah. And, and yeah. The crazy thing is, his first two years in the with the Royals, he went thirteen and twenty-eight. Oh, he was bad. I remember that he was. He was on the verge of kind of being a high-profile bust. And then. All of a sudden he, he come you know 2006 he, he appeared in 3 games did not make a start and then he pitched out of the bullpen primarily in 2007 then, yeah. then you come back to 2008 he goes 13 and, and 10 with a 3.47 ERA then 16 and 8 with a 2.16 ERA Yeah and then he goes to that the was Brewers. And, was yeah. Then, yeah then he you know 2010 he goes 10 and 4 10 and 14 on a bad Royals team yeah, he yeah. Goes, he goes to the Brewers and doesn't lose at Miller Park for 2 years. Goes 25 yeah. and 9 with the Brewers before he gets traded to the Angels where he goes 6 and 2. Yeah, then went to the Dodgers as a free agent, right? Yeah. Then he goes to the Dodgers, gets paid huge money, has double digit wins and no more than 8 losses in any season with the Dodgers. Yeah. Goes to the Diamondbacks, same story until 2018 where he goes 15 and 11. Yeah. And then last year he went a combined eighteen and five. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now his—I mean, I'm looking. I'm looking at Baseball Reference as you're saying that doesn't really have any notable postseason success, which is oftentimes a difference maker for pitchers. I mean, his postseason record is meh. Yeah.
0: I, I mean,
1: I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a no vote on him. I'm just saying, like you know, when it comes down to it, a lot of times that is a tiebreaker type of thing he doesn't he doesn't have anything to fall back on there
0: yeah
1: did he pitch he wasn't he the starter in game seven last year he uh, pitched pretty well if i remember right but then he got lifted didn't he
0: yeah i mean in in world series action he's
1: that's his only world series yeah he's got he wasn't on the dodgers teams that went to the world series
0: yeah you know i don't know I guess his, you know, he didn't. I
1: think it's an interesting one. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, okay. So he did pitch Game Seven, six and a third, two hits, two runs, two earned. So he left with the game tied. Did not take the loss. Obviously, Will Harris took the loss. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting one. I, I think he's he'll be an interesting debate. But the 206 wins is pretty impressive. I mean, admittedly, I didn't think he had that many. I'm surprised by that.
0: And I, I, he's just become so much more dominant, and, and I'll tell you one other thing. I know he's a weird interview; yes. like he's a tough. You know, people yes. don't really talk to him. But the number of stories about him and like funny stories, little anecdotes, his teammates Hi. love him because he's so weird. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. Know, he's. I don't know if you ever listened to Joe Posnanski, uh, who's got a a uh, podcast through the athletic but he he loves Zach granky like he, he covered the Royals he was he was in Kansas City for a long time and, and he just thinks all of the Zach Granke stories are hilarious and there there are some really good ones yeah yeah yeah
1: I mean he's uh, he's definitely yeah I mean similar to the guy we were talking about before not the same personality but similar in that they they do it differently they're not your conventional athlete. Um, you know, he's, he's more of a, uh, you know, you don't hear much from him at all. Um, you know, not really very big media friendly guy.
0: Uh, well, he just wasn't here. Openly you know. doesn't like it. He doesn't like No, it. no. And he had, I remember there was the story when he was with the brewers that he had, you know, he's got a, a diagnosed social anxiety. Right. It's like, and, uh, Ricky Williams, right? Something yeah, like that. And, and he, even the same thing. And yeah. he was like, one of the things he liked about Milwaukee was, it's not a big city and there wasn't yeah. anything, you know, like people would just yeah. leave him alone.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, it's funny because I mean, he played for the angels and Dodgers, which is the second biggest city in the, in the country, but he, he good market for him in this, you know, like I don't, th- I don't think he would thrive in Boston, New York, Chicago, Philly, you know, the, the intense East Midwest sports cities, mm-hmm. uh, he, you know, he's, he's well suited for the places he played. I mean, when he signed the big deal with Arizona, that was a good place for him to go. I mean, we, you and I both know the Phoenix market. Um, it's not that intense. It's, you know, the media here, they're they're mostly fanboys. They they want, uh, they root for the teams to do well so that they can feel like they're a part of something big. They're not, they're not any way like, you know, going to the New York media or the Philly media. I think he'd be eaten alive there. He, you know, he's gone to good places for him.
0: Yeah. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a legitimate case,
1: without a doubt, that he might be um, – let's see, what they, do they do? Don't they do the comparisons, similarity scores or whatever?
0: Oh, yeah, like down hey, at the bottom of see, the – Let's
1: see, their similarities, Roy Halladay, who's in the Hall of Fame, Justin Verlander, who probably will be, I think, pretty pretty well certain, Doc Gooden, no, Tim Hudson, no. So, I mean, those first two, the most similar scores – One's in and one is. I think Verlander is pretty much a shoe in,
0: don't you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, the I mean, renaissance got, he had.
1: He's got the, yeah, the second run and, and the postseason success. I mean, with that World Series that he
0: got with Houston, I think that that's enough to put him in easily. Yeah. Even though the
1: Houston World Series will always come with a little bit of a, a, a you know, side eye look. But, you know, I think it probably is enough to push him over the top easily.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got. Over 200 wins, also. Yeah, you know. Plus what, three or four no hitters? But, I mean, he, yeah. you know. Two Cy no Youngs are the biggest thing, but yeah, multiple
1: Cy Youngs in both leagues, right?
0: Uh, well, no, because no, because Houston's AL again. Oh, that's true. Houston's AL now, yeah. God, so, that still that still throws me. Yeah, but uh, I mean, You're right. multi-time All Star, two-time Cy Young winner, yeah. one-time MVP. Uh, That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, and I believe and, didn't too, he pitch the Tigers World Series too? He was in
1: the World Series in '11. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, I think he's a pretty, pretty much a shoe in uh, You know, so I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be an interesting debate when the time comes. It's always, I, I think, with you know people like Frankie, it's always one of those like, what will we view them when
0: they're not pitching? Or not playing anymore, after a few years, how do we view them? Well, you want to um, you so want to hear something about this with Gran- yes. uh, with Granke versus Verlander? Sure. You, you talk about the you know the lack of postseason success for granky Yeah. But when you look at Verlander, eight and one in the ALDS, six and four in the ALCS, but zero and six in the <laughs> World Series with a five sixty eight ERA.
1: I did not know he was zero and six in the World Series.
0: Seven career World Series starts. 0-6. Oh wow. Giving up nine homers in World Series games. Huh. That's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah I'm surprised. Yeah. I am, too. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Because you just think See, he's that, been so dominant always. That's the thing.
1: And that's, that's kind of, I guess, you know, as you say that, it's like that sometimes is especially what happens after a guy retires. What What does the perception of them become? Sometimes guys get glorified more and sometimes we forget about them uh, you know and so I, I he's one of those guys because I I don't I absolutely based on what we just talked about I don't see him going into media or something like that that's going to keep him fresh in our minds so what what will be the perception of him five years after he retires
0: yeah I, you know I, I think don't. it'll be Hall of Famer though I really do I mean I, I you know I wouldn't I certainly wouldn't rule it out and I mean certain you know the, like
1: when you think of starting pitchers, that current starting pitchers that are Hall of Fame likely, I mean, how many are there? Verlander, Scherzer, probably. Say, bet. Yeah. Um, am I am I missing other
0: obvious choices? Uh, well, I mean, I guess some of it. Dep- yeah, I think some of it depends on how how willing are you to call someone a lock. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I guess
1: we'll. I'll put the caveat on there that we don't, you know, get a a Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens-esque sort of post-career thing where, you know, you would have called Roger Clemens a lock for his entire career and then it wasn't. Um, But I I think Kershaw, Scherzer, Verlander, I'm I'm struggling to think of anybody else that's still active that would be a a near lock, let's say that.
0: Uh, I think, well, I I think Greinke's a near lock. I really do. And I'm kind of, I'm
1: I'm endorsing your point and saying that because, you know, sometimes it's who you're compared to. And, and, you know, if, if there was, you know, if this was a golden age of starting pitching, like maybe 10, 20 years ago when we had, you know, Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, Clemens, et cetera, uh, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, you know, then maybe a guy like Grankey doesn't, but you know, like ultimately you look around and you see, well, this guy's an in, you know, there's openly so many pitchers that are coming up. That's going to help his case.
0: So here, here are the guys. As I, I've now pulled up the current active wins leaders okay. for Major League Baseball. Hey, uh, you
1: you're you're totally upsetting the stat heads who say who say wins don't matter.
0: Yeah, well, it's through last year, so some of these guys aren't <laughs> active anymore. Okay, uh, okay. Specifically, Felix Hernandez. Felix uh, and CC, right? Sebastian. Yeah. But as I think about this, Bartolo Colon. Two hundred and forty-seven wins. I don't think he's in. I don't. think And then so it goes either. Verlander, Granke, a guy who we left off. Who I think for you, I I would think you'd think you would want him in. John Lester. John Lester. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, I thought. Yeah. I mean, certainly he's got great postseason results. You okay. know. Or, I
0: mean. When he's got a hundred and. With the Red
1: Sox and the and the one with the Cubs.
0: And he's got a hundred and ninety-two regular season wins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, like. I don't know. That's a tough one. Like John Lester, to me, I feel a lot like that with Grankey where it's like, is he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. He's a great pitcher. I'm not sure.
0: He he's got mess? he's got three rings. Yeah. He's a five time All Star. Never never finished higher than second in the Cy Young voting. No. No. Um, but did get one second place finish. Yeah. You know, I certainly I, helps
1: the, not only the not only the championships,
0: but the teams he's won the championships with. Yeah, You know, can't can't ignore the obvious factor of
1: Red Sox and Cubs is going to put him on the radar more than a guy who, for example, Granky, who played for, you know, the Dodgers, yeah, but didn't win a championship with him. And the rest of the teams he played for are not exactly the, you know, the marquee franchises in baseball. No offense to any of them, but they're just not.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I just – I think you're right, though. There, there's just not many as you go through –
1: now you know, and uh, I know yeah, I'm I think using. Just,
0: uh, uh, you know, just looking at Cy Youngs, Kershaw's got what three? Yeah,
1: and Scherzer's got three. I mean, I, I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. Now, admittedly, I say that with my tongue firmly planted in cheek because Roger Clemens has seven and he isn't in. But you know, we know why.
0: But it's uh, you, know, you know, but like looking at the other guys, like. I, I don't maybe Adam Wainwright maybe I, I don't yeah. I don't necessarily think, don't so. think so and then yeah. it just get then you get lost on this list yeah y- you know Madison Bumgarner maybe but not not longevity I, no you know, not
1: longevity I mean he's see, he's got the postseason that twenty what was it twenty fourteen
0: mm-hmm.
1: when he you know he he pitched Game six and seven you know came out of the bullpen in Game seven like that will help him if it comes down to a toss up vote
0: but I mean he's only thirty. He's got, but th- definitely
1: not much longevity.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, it, you know,
1: the now it's early, and he, you know, he's on the injured list now. But they, the the uh, results last year and so far this year, disastrous. Like he's fallen off the table over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, in 2016 was his last postseason that he pitched in. The last right. time he was an All Star. Right. From then on. He has great. fallen off the table. 4-9, and 6-7, yeah. and 9-9, nine and nine, and now 0-3. Yeah. I mean, I know
1: this name inflames people because of his opinions, but if you're not going to put Curt Schilling in the Hall of Fame, then yeah. Madison Bumgarner's not a Hall of Famer. I mean, if you just look at their baseball careers, that's it. I mean, Schilling had a better career and, and, and has had better postseason. I mean, Bumgarner has the one legendary run. Schilling has more than that.
0: Yeah. Now, Schilling probably will get in.
1: He was very close this year, wasn't he?
0: Yeah. Uh, although, who knows? <laughs> as long
1: as he as long as long he could stay out of the public fray for maybe a little, he's gotten a decent chance. I, didn't he get to like 60-plus percent this year? Which is almost a shoe in that you eventually get in.
0: I think that he did. I think that's true.
1: I mean, I think he was pretty close to making it this year. And I, You know, again, I, I think Schilling's, you know, I mean, my thought on the
0: yeah, he got he got to he got to exactly seventy, 70 and okay, even seventy. So, boy, that's
1: that's nearly uh, I mean, you need seventy-five. Right?
0: Yeah, and he's got two years to make it.
1: Yeah, so it seems pretty likely he will get in. But if you're debating Shilling for a long time, that Baumgartner's not a Hall of Famer.
0: He now, was, mean, I, I believe, numerically he was twenty-three votes short. Okay, this year, so he probably
1: looks pretty good to
0: get in next year you would guess yeah uh so I don't there, know. there was one other thing i looked at and i don't think any of these people are in but i will uh, run it through for you the saves yeah. the saves leaders mm-hmm. uh fernando rodney is 43 years old i don't I think no. he's in i don't think so uh craig Kimbrell's the active leader at 347 remember the records above 600 Right, I I don't think so. And at that point, you know, then Kenley Jansen, Aroldis Chapman, Joaquin Storia. No, I don't think so. Yeah,
1: I I mean, none of those move me. Uh, Chapman may have a shot, depending on, like, you know, let's say he gets to another World Series with the Yankees and wins another one or something. It might be. Um, You know, again, Yankees, Cubs, those those teams would, would move people. But the rest, I don't think, any chance.
0: Yeah. The the way he managed to move between teams to get to the Cubs for, yes, you know twenty he paid, he appeared in twenty eight games for the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but without him, they don't win the World Series. Yeah, I will I will go to my grave saying that, like that, you know, I know they
1: gave up Glaber Torres and Glaber Torres is a really good player, a hundred percent worth it. What hundred percent worth it? Because without him, that team does not win the World Series.
0: Well, his regular season. So just starting there with the Cubs, 28 yeah. appearances. He picked up 16 saves, had an ERA of one. Yeah. And a whip below 8.83. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then I mean, he was really good. Well, and then you go to the postseason with the Cubs. He pitched uh, seven World Series innings. That they they didn't. You know, they played seven games. Supply. He pitched seven in yeah, two thirds innings as he a closer, much. and that and unfortunately
1: for him, that I mean, that's why he blew blew the lead in, in Game Seven um, because he was he didn't have the same juice. But the the you know, and again, I realize this is not the type of stuff most people remember, but as a Cubs fan, the ninth inning, he blew the lead in the eighth, and he came back out for the ninth, and I believe he went three up, three down without mm-hmm. much juice. Like that was huge because that team was reeling. At the time, in the bottom of the ninth, what? for him to come out there and give them those three outs was monstrous.
0: He appeared in thirteen games that postseason.
1: Yeah, yeah, which was just about every game,
0: I think. Well, I'm trying. To, like I mean, four he, with the Giants, and I
1: think five or six with the Dodgers.
0: I mean, he appeared in in four for the Giants, four for the Dodgers, and five of seven World Series games. Okay, yeah, so it was it was most. And and yeah, I mean, with without him, they do not win because that bullpen was
1: shaky. They did not have a good. I mean, that's why they had to make that trade. They didn't have a good closer. Pedro strope was was okay, but he was way too wild. You uh, couldn't depend on him. Rondone had seen his better days at that point.
0: Well, when um, you have and everyone you know, slide one step back, they, exactly. <laughs> you know.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they. You know, I know he didn't get the save in Game Seven. But they don't make it to Game Seven of the World Series without him. He got the save in Game Five when they—I think—they won by one run uh, when they were mm-hmm. down three-one at Wrigley, and that was that was the beginning of the turnaround. Chris Bryant hit a home run, and uh, you know I'm getting I'm getting goosebumps talking about this. But you know, like without him, they don't win it. Yeah. So if mm-hmm. I had to vote, I might put Araldis Chapman in. Probably not yet, but let's say he wins another World Series with the Yankees. They got a team that is capable of doing it over the next few years. Then you might have an argument, especially if he
0: plays a big role in it. Yeah. And to your point before, on whether or not you do that trade, you won the World Series. Every move is accepted. Every move was the right move. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't I honestly I don't
1: care if Glaber Torres goes on to be a six time MVP and and you know, leads the Yankees to five championships. It was still worth it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I know, you know, be nice to have him still, but uh, without that trade, they don't win in 2016. And if they don't win in 2016, there's absolutely no guarantee they would have won in 17 or 18 or 19 or 20 with Glaber Torres. No guarantee at all. Maybe they would have. Maybe they keep him and they win, you know, four championships in 10 years. But maybe doesn't, doesn't count. The Cubs history is full of maybes. 2016 is not a maybe.
0: Yeah. All right, well, that's it. That's the go, whole That's up. the whole Ben and Matt sportscast. Uh, we started on uh, college sports, and we ended up with Glaber Torres and oldest Chapman. And whether or not oldest Chapman would get Matt's Hall of Fame vote. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
1: yes, yes. Let me throw one thing, one more thing, one more thing on this Hall of Fame because I wanted to ask. C.C. Sabathia in?
0: I mean, I'm a Brewer fan. Of course he's in.
1: I think he is. I think he is. I
0: mean, that, I, you know, <laughs> I... I the, the, uh, the half season with the Brewers... Yeah, where yeah. he should where he should have won the Cy Young Award for the National League, uh, in I don't half know, a season. He go that far, but uh, you know, do you do you I recall do you recall what he did? I do, I do. I, who won? Who won
1: that year? Tell me who won. I don't honestly remember.
0: Uh, the 2008 Cy Young, I believe. Let me let me make sure. Was uh, big time Timmy Jim? Tim Lincecum. Uh, okay.
1: Well, I don't like him either. So okay, go ahead.
0: <laughs> look Linsicum went lincecum went 18 and 5 all right he had a 262 era through two complete games one shutout okay all right cc sabathia threw 17 starts to Linsicum's 33 he threw seven complete games and three shutouts and had a 165 era he went 11 and two (laughs) And I
1: don't dislike Sabathia at all. I like
0: Sabathia. When I say I didn't like him either, I meant compared to some of the other guys we've talked about. I like Sabathia. So, you know,
1: hey, if you make me choose between Sabathia and Lincecum, I would choose Sabathia, I suppose.
0: Look, to be clear, Sabathia finished fifth in the NL All-Star voting that year behind Lincecum, Brandon Webb, Johan Santana, and Brad Lidge. Uh... Boy, those are some names. (laughs) Probacks.
1: Brandon Webb and
0: Johan Santana.
1: There was there was a time where both of those guys looked like they were shoe ins for the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, didn't stay that way though. To be clear, he had a lower Sabathia had a lower ERA than all of them, and threw more than twice as many complete games as any of them. I mean, I think the root of it is that he only was in the National League for less than half the season. Yes. Well, that's the problem. I mean, if he had those numbers over a
1: full season, he would have won.
0: Yeah. All all I'm saying is. Okay. mm Okay. He should have. I mean,
1: you know, I yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he's in. I think you know, he, he was on the 09 Yankee team that won the World Series. He was good for the Indians for many years. Uh, you know,
0: he's and, got a he's got know, a Cy Young, a number of All Star yeah. appearances, and 250 career wins. Two fifty wins. I
1: think he's a, I think he's a sure thing. You now he's not active anymore, so I didn't put him on that list. But I would I would say he should be in.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Now we can put a put a pin in it. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.